are you looking to scratch that Dungeons and Dragons itch while waiting for your next session? That's the keyword. <laughs> while Celesta, the crown of the magister, is here to relieve that uncomfortable irritation. to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. I'm your co-host, Brandon. Thanks for joining us again, Brandon. Hi. Don't get COVID. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. It's terrible. Uh, here on Crit Academy, we hope to inspire you with new and creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Today's topic is the Celesta, the Crown of the Magister game, which is awesome. If you don't know what that is, Celesta, the Crown of Magister is a tactical, I want to make sure that that's clear, yeah. a tactical, time-based turn-based RPG developed and published by Tactical Adventures that is based on the 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons SRD rule set. Note, note the SRD part. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the reason that matters is because there's some monsters that you won't find in this that you will find in Baldur's Gate, for instance, and settings and locations and all that stuff. And archetypes and feats and whole lots of other things. Yep. <laughs> you only get the SRD stuff, so they had to make their own, which I think came out really great. What I think is awesome... That part is worth that, yeah. ...is... <laughs> I hope that you guys are just ready to roll initiative, take attacks of opportunity, manage your location, and specialize in verticality combat because they really did a good job with that. And actually remember to bring food with you. <laughs> oh, yes. We're going to touch on that, too, because that was one of my favorite favorite <laughs> changes that they made. So, Brandon, what can you tell our audience about Celesta? It's a game. It's awesome. I haven't played it yet, but I'm going to... I'm gonna... <laughs> Crown of the Magister brings back the thrill, tactics, and deep storytelling of tabletop games. As you play, you'll feel yourself in for your dice and miniatures. It's time to dive into the world of Celesta. Now roll for initiative. Now when you say this is a tactical game, is that like in the in the form of Final Fantasy tactics? No, wait, yeah, wait, 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 yes. Tactics, yes, yes, but it's like playing D&D on a, on a grid. Yep. It's very, it's hardcore stuff. So let's get let's get everyone started. Uh, what with some details of Celesta before we give start giving our opinions, because today we are going to compare the two. We're going to compare what Celesta does really good and how it correlates to Fifth Edition and some deviations that they've made, whether we like them, whether we don't. Some are understandable, some not so much. But that's that's going to be true of any video game adaptation, especially uh, when you're not working with the full rules. Of course, of course. And but basically, like any other game. Roll for initiative, take up attacks, manage to play locations, and definitely cover the verticality of the battlefield. Yeah. You, in Crown of Celesta, you set yourself up for finishing strikes and possibly roll a natural Tony at a key moment, which has saved me so many times from death, which, I don't know about you, happened to me a lot. I died a lot. I suck. <laughs> you think I'd be better at D&D. I'm not, apparently. I suck at it. <laughs> In Celesta, you take control of four heroes all at once, each with unique skills uh, that kind of complement each other, which you get to totally customize yourself, which you, is cool. You can either do point by or you can roll for stats. Yeah, and I think that that's really good <laughs> with the character right. creation. Yeah. <laughs> How does he roll a shit character? Uh, I did. I rolled a fighter with uh, high dex and crappy strength because I decided I was going to go into it randomly. 
Uh, it was a terrible idea. I don't recommend that because part of the benefit of having weaker characters is the role play that comes from it. Not in a tactical RPG. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I end up running a paladin, cleric, rogue, and uh, a wizard. Try to cover all your bases. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Um, Brandon, you want to touch on that last? We're not even five minutes in. I really want to play this. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's good. I'm, I'm telling you. Every hero expresses themselves in the adventure, making each action and dialogue choice a dynamic part of the story. You get to choose your dialogue. Yes. Yeah. To the degree, yeah. yeah. Uh, players will create their heroes just as they would in a pen and paper game by choosing their race, class, personality, and rolling for their stats. Yeah, and so um, that's one of the things that Celesta, I think, um, does really well. Um, we're going to go more into this, but since we're talking about character creation... Yep. Um, I think character creation is really cool, and I think it's well done. Their options that they've implemented are really unique and, and mm-hmm. fun, especially the way they tie in how your character's voice gets picked yep. based on these different options you choose, which is pretty cool, until one of the other NPCs you pick has the same voice. Okay. Now, we it is worth mentioning, though, that you unfortunately do not have the option to choose every class in the game. Right. You don't have every race to choose from, and... Because there's less sub-races or archetypes, you have less of those to choose from as well. But yeah. that's – I'll only mention that up front just so people temper their expectations now, going in. Do you have the, the DLC that came out or no? I purchased some of the DLC. Okay. So they do have DLC, so it is worth knowing they are coming out with more content. Yeah. Which is exciting. Like the, the Lost Valley, I think, was the most recent one maybe? Yeah, the four main DLCs – I I believe when I last checked, it was only four DLCs. One's the soundtrack, one's actually an extra dice pack. One is basically a full can new campaign mm-hmm. that includes new archetypes and spells. Really good ones too. The, the last one in particular I want to mention though, I want to see because of like what five seven bucks. Mm-hmm. But basically, it allowed you to it introduce the barbarian and the druid as playable classes. Yes, <laughs> I think they managed to do that before Baldur's Gate too. Yeah, <laughs> which is one of my gripes with Baldur's Gate three, which we'll talk about. So far, so far, right? Still in beta. Yes, it is. But so uh, <laughs> laying it out, I, we stress that this was tactical. Yeah. While you do get dialogue options, that is based on skills you have and race and and class. I think that that's really cool because you basically are picking who's going to respond, right? So, sort of. In the sense of like, yes, you you can pick, but can tell you, okay, here's the Sutton guy, here's the diplomat guy. It tells you <laughs> if they're the ones with the highest stat, the the who's going to make make that role. Yep. Yep. Uh-huh. Which I think is really well done. Now, and they, they they do make it very clear during the tutorial that if you give your entire party orders and have them do a skill check of some kind, they're going to have the person with the highest stat make the roll. Which I think is a way you should be running your tabletop game because nobody likes everyone all rolling. Oh, Billy the arcane wizard with the high arcana and proficiency and expertise yep. failed. I'm the rogue. I have no idea what magic is, but I'm going to try anyway. I'm not a fan of that. Okay. <laughs> get, get. Although it is worth mentioning though that each character can only get skill check once, which is kind of actually annoying at times. Yeah, like picking locks. Picking locks. <laughs> I knew where he was going with that. Imagine Sorry, you didn't open it. You don't get to go. I imagine a rogue doing the archon check. I don't know anything. It's like, hmm, it tastes like a battery. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right, so now now we're done ragging on it. The game, what the game does, it yeah. does really well. It's worth noting that this was a kickstarted game. Yes, and those are 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 risky. Uh, adventure or uh, adventures, right? I was gonna ask about that. So Are they nailed it. Partnered with Watsy or anything? No, no, that's why it's the SRD. Baldur's Gate's partnered with Wizards of the Coast because it's Baldur's Gate. Yep. So yeah. 
What does Celesta do right, Ian? Well, well, it does quite a few things right. And as we already established, it pulls from the, the SRD, the subclasses that are there, but because not all the subclasses are there, they had to make some of their own. So one of the, of the examples for that is, as we already t- touched on it, you can be a mage bane barbarian who hates... Which is awesome! ...magical magic and their users. Or you could uh, delve into the cleric insight domain to focus on learning, memory, and deductive skills. So even though you may not have all of the original SRD options, <laughs> they do fill in the gaps in ways I think, think are interesting, including yes. the feats. Yes. Because, shoot, even though they, they can't like pull from the feats from 5th edition, I do think they did a relatively good job of coming up with their own. Yeah, I agree. And more feats, I'm like, huh, I wish this actually wasn't 5e. <laughs> <laughs> Which is how you know they did good game design. Yeah. Same with some of the archetypes. Yeah. Like I chose like, the fire archetype for the paladin, for example, who not can learn fireball. <laughs> I missed that detail. I didn't play any of the paladins, though. Because <laughs> I took cleric, because cleric's superior in every capacity. Well, I ended up taking... I also chose like the shadow rogue, who can basically teleport mm-hmm. five feet. <laughs> I like that. Um, so, now, you mentioned uh, classes. Yep. Uh, so, our uh, favorite that... Uh, one of my favorites is the the fighter, and they really – I think they managed to knock it out of the park, um, and we're actually going to go into detail on the fighter commander yeah. subclass. If that sounds familiar, it's not exactly what you're thinking. If anything, it's very close to our, uh, our warlord um, in that it focuses around shouts, which I think is really, really cool. No, in hindsight, since I purchased the deal, so yeah, I probably should have threw in a barbarian or druid for the same briefing purposes. I have not tried multiplayer, but it comes with multiplayer. It was added, yeah, recently, yes. Oh, <laughs> man, that's – I think it's what, four-player multiplayer? Yep. And that's so awesome. Um, the one thing that really uh, interests me uh, is the, the class designs, and I think that's where we need to focus on is the combat and the class designs. What do you want to say? So we're going to talk about the the commander because multi multiplayer is awesome. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. I've only watched the videos. What I've learned of it because I don't have time to sit and wait for p- friends to be online. But uh, <laughs> I mean, I work third shift and you don't. So. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, uh, Brandon, do you want to delve us into um, the, the the commander fighter archetype? And remember, Ian already t- touched on the fact that they did some really really good work designing all of the subclasses, but you do have the SRD ones, which is like the champion fighter yep. and the, the, um, whatever some other ones are. I mean, they Berserker. did change the names of them a little bit yeah. here and there. Berserker, but, hey. Berserker, <laughs> uh, barbarian. Uh, do you want to touch on the commander, the commander for us, fighter. Brandon? All right. The commander fighter archetype on the battlefield. Victory is achieved yes. through discipline and rigorous training and audacity. Celestian commanders can often be seen leading the charges while bolstering their allies. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, just like D and D, the tabletop or still on blog somewhat. The, the tabletop, you're going to get uh, uh, your subclass picked at level three for fighters. Yep. So, since we're going for a commander, Ian, what do you think some of the abilities that they come up with are well, for first, proficiencies? Well, first off, they gain both proficiencies in intimidation and insight, and I actually do like how they highlight some of the insight and the dialogue <laughs> options. How so? Well. In the sense of, like, when you're talking with somebody in missions, they'll roll insight, and if you succeed, it gives you additional dialogue options to choose from. <laughs> That's awesome. It's really funny having a proficiency in insight and intimidation. As well, as one, I know you're lying to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, it didn't take, take a rocket step very quickly. Huh, if you try to intimidate somebody and you fail, they hate you. Go figure. <laughs> so, but, but they also gain rousing shout. 
they can use their bonus action to give all allies within 15 feet, including, including yourself, themselves. advantage on their next attack roll until the start of their next turn. And can be used a number of times equal to their proficiency modifier per short rest. That is cool. And I do stress the short rest part. Oh, that's really important, too. We're going to have to touch on the rest. Yeah. I really like how they do it, and I don't know if you agree. Um, I think it's handled... I think for a video game form, I understand the direction they went. Yeah. So right out the gate, what do you think about the rousing shout? The fact that a number of times equal to their uh, proficiency modifier, they can grant all their allies within 15 feet advantage on their attack roll. Yep. Hey, Rogue, have fun. <laughs> yeah, that's a good start. That sounds pretty badass. That's not OP, is it? Um, I don't think so. It's got no. limited use. And most people can find a way to get advantage anyway. So, yep. But the fact that it's a core mechanic right out the gate yep. when you get it is pretty cool. Actually, with the rogue, I also switch back and forth between the short bow and having them dual wield the short sword and the dagger. Mm-hmm. Just uh, crit fish, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> crit fishing is one of my favorite games. Well, not necessarily <laughs> crit fish, as much as make sure that one attack gets through to use a backstab. But yeah. What the fuck is crit fishing? Where we, you build characters or try to optimize your play to get as many rules as possible to try to get a crit. The champion fighter is a crit fisher, right? <laughs> crit fishing. Yep. Okay. Um, all right. So uh, at level – and you get that at level three, and then, of course, you're going to get all the original uh, uh, fighter uh, mechanics, extra attack, and extra feats. Yeah. It's amazing. I'm not going to lie. When I got extra attack for my paladin, it felt great. <laughs> yeah, it, and it's <laughs> – it is pretty awesome. Like, it's like, I knew that intellectually already because I played plenty of D&D, but they actually get it in the PC game. The one thing that I like that they did is sometimes when your characters take attack actions, they look a little different. Yeah. They're not always exactly the same, though I think it might only be like two or three different varieties, but... Yeah. And I do think they at least tried to make the spell incantations at least match the spell, too. Yes. Which is awesome. We're just like our words of power. I felt magical casting a spell. Uh, All right. So uh, at seventh level, you get coordinated defense. I think this is an amazing mechanic for a fighter. When you take the attack action, you can forgo one of your attacks to to grant an ally within 15 feet the dodge action until the start of the next turn. Yeah. Do you know what I love about this? It actually makes some team players. Yes. And <laughs> unless I'm misunderstanding it, it doesn't force them to use their reaction. Nope. It's just a benefit that they get. So y- you can forego your attack to significantly boost the defense of a single creature near you. Yep. That's awesome. So oh. the cleric or the healer, you stand right next to me all the time. And I thought that that was really cool. So, um... Already, we're really seeing how this wow. is a commander character, how it's really building up the support roles for the um, the game. Um, Brandon, uh, what is the 10th level mechanic uh, that they get? Level. level 10, Invigorating Shout. Rousing Shout's range increases from 3 to 6 cells. I love hearing that. Cells, because it's the grid. Like <laughs> the monster? No, not like the monster. No. Uh, allies affected by Rousing Shout now also gain temporary hit points equal to your level for one minute. Keep in mind you get that little 10. That's 10 right there. So there's one inconsistency that drives me bonkers. And we just touched on it. Measuring movement? Yes. Um, they or, use, or, or more accurately, measuring distance. Yeah, they use cells and feet sometimes. Yep. And I don't yep. know if that's just an over or something they an oversight. It could be. Um, but yeah, so I don't mind the cells or the feet, but pick one. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, the reason why I I mentioned the measuring distance is 
I feel like a lot of people, whether they realize this or not, one of my quips is when you do like area effects spells, it draws them out in circles, which mm-hmm. I think a lot of people default to, to to by default. But it makes no sense when you think about it. They should be doing it in squares. Like when you move like walk diagonally, for example, you move six squares. But when you draw diagonally from like a spell area effect, they only it's only three squares you move diagonally. It's like, but that's not how it's supposed to measure spells. Yeah. And once again, I think that that's a probably just a design choice. Um, of whoever's running the ga- game, right? Right, but, you, you, but I'm sure you get where I'm coming from when yeah, I say yeah, that, too. Sure. Um, right. So uh, we've talked about the, the core abilities of this fighter, and I think this is a really well-designed fighter. Yeah. The mechanics yeah. are very yeah. well-balanced between offense and support. Yeah. My point, though, is if you're measuring the squares, double down on it. <laughs> Make sure you just stick to it? Yeah. Now, if you're doing actual measurements and actual distances... Okay. <laughs> yeah, but now in 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 Celesta, yeah, that specifically one of the faults that you're talking about, right? I'm just saying that does one one interpretation is had to go with. I just think it's worth mentioning. I'm not saying it's game breaking by any means. That's right, just right, something right. you need to account for. <laughs> now that we've kind of talked about one of the class archetypes and how they're designed, which I think is really really good, mm-hmm. um, and really balanced. So kudos to the Tactical Adventures team. I would just like you to know if any of the tactical adventurer teams are watching this, we do design mechanics and would be happy to help supply you with <laughs> tactical <laughs> advantages on high quality oh. subclasses. You're welcome. Anyways, not fishing for work or anything, right? What? When your dice no, when your dice bag jiggles, does that dice ever fall out? <laughs> Then there's no logos on me or promos or anything. All right, so but I want to get into it. So we talked about one of the classes. Yep. We have to talk about combat and how amazing they've done with climbing and verticality and light. Oh my god, I have died because of light so many times. Yeah. As in like field of vision type thing. Yes, yeah. because you yeah. have a diff- dis. So we many people play darks dark dark, dark, dark dim in in dim light in 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 in. Total darkness, they, they do it wrong almost all the time. And yep. when you're used to doing it wrong, yep. it really kicks you in the butt when you're doing it right. Yeah, like the one the one plus slash minus at the same time I started playing this, this at first, like, oh yeah, that roll is raw, isn't it? Yeah. And, <laughs> this, this, this is how it's supposed to work, isn't it? And most tables do it wrong. <laughs> yep. And Dark Vision, for example, does you still have to abide by the dim and dark rules. Yep. Yeah, I had a, one of the first things I did when my was hit level four was took the light spell to, so I could cast out the paladin's armor. Yep, so I can on the shield, right? Yeah. So they can, I, I, so they can see Jack. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't cast on the shield though because sometimes I switch to a broadsword, so I let them be putting the shield away. Therefore, that's when kicked my butt, and I did not have the forethought of that. Wait, it gives you the option to in this game to yeah. cast light on specific objects. Yes. Yes. Does that also apply to like heat metal? Uh, um, if it had heat metal, if you have it. I don't. I haven't played the druid yet, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> Is heat metal in this game? I don't know. I don't I haven't played a druid. It's okay, that, so I don't know. Um, <laughs> but if you t- you touch on that, so targeting um, with climbing and be- light being so complex, there are so many things you can use firebolt to light up to create temporary sources of light. Yeah, which is awesome. And and the game encourages you to do that quite a bit, actually. Yep. <laughs> now I'm thinking about all the times where I shot a flying wizard in the air, which would then lose concentration, and then they fall. Twenty feet and take fall damage. <laughs> and I kept doing it to the same guy over and over again in the same fight. It's like this is funny. 
<laughs> Especially keeps casting it, huh? Um, so I think that uh, which is interesting is I use torches and light spells way more in Celesta than I ever do at a tabletop. Yeah. Because most people do the ro- rules wrong. Or just don't care. Or just don't care. And, you know, that's fine. Dark vision doesn't mean you can see everything clearly to attack. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but uh, people do. Um, well, it's more perception, but yeah. <laughs> well, whatever. The other thing I want to talk about is how beautiful the game looks. Delstone, I just mentioned that, actually. And uh, has anybody played – you guys played Zelda before? Yeah. There are uh, so many puzzles. Yep. There are so many puzzles. And, like, I've played through the starting areas many times, and I miss things because I have a character who doesn't have a skill in something. Yep. And I just walk past it. Oh, oh, there's this... Knock on... Was this was this broken wall here before? Cause, because it rolls passive perceptions and stuff on its own. Yep. So you either see it or you don't. Uh, <laughs> that, although, to be fair, I think there are times where they, they might add stuff in after the fact. Because there was that so? one... Well, because... I'm just guessing, mind you. Because, mm. uh, for example, just... Like, does it, that like a one enemy camp you go to early on in the game, and then when that side quest you you take later on is explore this camp more thoroughly to find artifacts from the, from this one race, and then I found like the secret passage there, and my I'm like was this even here before? Yeah, <laughs> when well, I went through the first time. So, but that's the thing. I'm yeah. wondering if anybody from Tactical Adventures is watching, uh, let us know because that's interesting. Did you pass it and failed the passive check? Or did it appear after you got the quest? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating, and I kind of don't want to know the answer. Get, get, get. Oh, for puzzle battles, it is worth mentioning that occasionally there are some area effects you can trigger. Like yes. falling stalactites on enemies. <laughs> yeah, and, and some of that makes a big difference in how long a battle lasts. Yeah. Which I think is really fun. So does getting fireball. Um, <laughs> so, Brandon, are your dice trembling with excitement yet? They are. They are? Like You can hear me, right? How about now? <laughs> Yes, I'm so excited for Celesta. <laughs> I want to go home and download it. Does it cost or anything? Yeah, yeah, it's a game. It's like well, what? there's a lot of free to play shit, so yeah. I don't know. well, we're glad it's not a freemium game because very only Path of Exile has done that perfectly. Anyway, so there's a few other things I want to touch on um, I that I think are really great, <laughs> um, and one of the big ones is overland travel. <laughs> yeah, the, the, and it's worth mentioning too that. It does allow you to go into the in-game options and adjust what triggers and what doesn't trigger. <laughs> yes, that's that's cool. Um, I didn't go in and change anything because I like the way they do it. Um, but yeah. one thing I'm debating whether to change or not, though, is whether to trigger the long rest options every time you rest overnight. Oh, where it pops up and you can change like prepping and stuff. Yeah, your sp- prep spell slots because yeah. by default it doesn't do that. That's just something worth yeah. mentioning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. All right. Loot boxes important. <laughs> yeah, yes, it is, especially when you're going somewhere important. Uh, so, uh, overland travel the 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 form of the long distance travel takes in Celesta is honestly one of my favorite mechanics uh, because it uses a map to kind of represent travel as a clock kind of ticks away to represent time, which I think is really cool. Uh, and based on your character skills of your characters, you randomly just find loot or encounters or uh, yep. dungeons or food or food. Uh, <laughs> I get to that. Um, while some of the, some people won't like this, and I can understand loving the open world thing. I think you can turn some of the things off though once again. Hmm? Yeah, but there's no open world exploration. It's no, no, still no, no, traveling no. along the map. So while some people won't like this, I'd like to think it's perfect for a game that isn't all 
all open world, right? Yeah. Because um, uh, choosing the the traveling pace really does affect a lot of different things that happen in this game. It does. Which I think is pretty interesting because you don't do that in 5e normally at the tabletop. But oh, we're traveling slow. Does anybody actually pay attention to that? Do you even know what it does? I mean, to be fair, the rules are there. It's just no one uses them. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Those are things that get <laughs> overlooked. When was the last time, uh, Brandon, you've run a game where, okay, we're traveling at slow pace. We're traveling at fast pace. We're traveling at normal pace. And when does it ever become a big deal in your game? Go ahead and say it. It doesn't. Yeah. Not really. I mean, I got a system in place for overland travel. Yeah. In, the, in Celesta... It affects a lot of things, from gathering resources, yep. how easy you are to ambush, yep. um, the discoveries you can make of new potential dungeons to crawl. Potentially, well, how exhausted your characters might end up being. <laughs> yes, rushing a long distance will mess your characters up if you don't have all the appropriate, um, well, con- the checks that come in place with that, as well as the necessary foods. Though something that the game does, and I've used this as a DM tip before on the show, yep. because I loved it so much. Rations. How often do you guys use rations? Never. Every, <laughs> every time they go on a, a journey. You do? Yeah. I, and I, you I track make, it? I make sure of that shit. It's like, okay, so you guys are going to be uh, walking up the, it's, it's three hexes, it's going to take you three days. I'm like, okay, let's go. All right. You ran out of food. So after your first day, hex. I need you all to give me some conseils because none of you bought rations. None of you got a horse. None of you took water. And like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, exactly. Come on. <laughs> We're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Now we realize it. I love it. Although worth noting, that's something that's a good to cover during session zero. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And if they're not paying attention, which most yep. of the time, they're not. Yeah. Um, so kudos to Brandon for doing that. I don't do that, though. We did crawl uh, cover the hex crawl episode that really – uh, touched on some of this yeah, stuff dude. too. I like that. Episode. But anyways, you have to have rations. You no rations, no short rest, no long rest. You characters just suffer. Um, and that's such that's something that's so easy to overlook. And it's nice to see that they included that during their er, through the process of their game, and that was the approach that they took. Um, this means things like rangers really get to shine. Yes, which I think is is important. Yep, because rangers automatically find food in certain areas. And actually, one setting they have in there, too, is if you have a druid that can cast Goodberry, you can set it to, at the end of mm, a, of a day, then they automatically cast it. <laughs> so they just always have food. Yep. And, and once again, that's something that I think is really cool about Celesta, because rangers really do kind of get the shaft in 5th edition right now. I think Wizards is, is finally realizing that it's making some adjustments, though I don't really know that they need those adjustments. I just think DMs need to pay more attention to what their players are running. Um, because if a player chooses a ranger that their native, their what is their their favorite terrain is forest, you better damn well tell it's going to be tell them it's going to be in a desert. So to maybe not pick forest as their favorite terrain. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What about create food and water? Do clerics get that in Celesta? Yes. Yes, they do. That is part of the <laughs> SRD, and it's in there. And that's just another yeah. one uh, benefit of having those spells prepared. <laughs> Alchemy. <laughs> and, it, and it does automatically cast it, once again, at the end of a long rest, if you have the slots available. But mm-hmm. you still have to have the slots available, and you have to have that spell prepared. Yes. Now, that doesn't seem like a big deal. Oh, they can just create, but that's one less spell that they have for other or spell uh, in their their prepared list that they have available. Now, if you know you're mostly going to do overland tra- traveling, you can prep it. You can prep it first, yeah, and then switch it back before you get to the next dungeon. When you, yeah. as you get there, but a little yeah. bit of micromanaging. So that's yeah. awesome. 
forgot my rations, failsafe. So, uh, the simple travel of allows us a really high-level view of the characters' personas, which I think is really nice. On the left side of the screen, there's literally a journal. And they're like one or two sentences long, but those one or two sentences give a lot of information. Your character is whittling away a, a... uh, a, a druidic statue or this person is telling jokes or, or this person, you know, Good. fell in a mud pit until <laughs> they're scavenging for food, you know, <laughs> that was okay. messed up. <laughs> or, or you guys encounter a, tra- a traveling merchant and have a conversation. Yeah. And that's all it says. Yep. That's all it needs to say. Or so-and-so sharpens their weapons. Well, yeah. <laughs> right. So this person's, you know, maintaining their weapons. That's a, a high level personality trait that comes across We've done that once. Uh, he used the druid to call animals for food. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's not uncommon. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm not a fast food restaurant, you guys. I've told you this. Hey there, friend. I don't Come do delivery. <laughs> I got something I want to show you behind this rock. <laughs> Anybody uh, in the boys, what's his name, uh, has to eat a, a, a squid that talks to him. So, yeah, because he can talk to animals. He was, yeah. he was worth it. He was squid. Yeah. Yeah, that's horrible. So. <laughs> Anyways, so overall, uh, I really think that they found a really good way to make a dungeon crawl feel uh, world expanse the world expanse uh, a really expanded world with overworld travel. Yep. Is there anything on that you wanted to touch about that I might have missed? Yeah, I mean, overall, I think it's handled overall well. But like I said before the show started, there was one a few things I think they could handle a little bit, a little bit better. Like you have to manually change it in the options where you, where you can adjust your settings and long to have long, long rest options pop up so the spell prep okay and i kind of wish there was just a many options saying hey next time my long rest do this yeah i agree or and for some strange reason too and i, I could just be, be doing it wrong but every time i tried to break, pull up item menus to adjust like uh equipment mm-hmm. it was all grayed out every time i pulled up when traveling I'm like why yeah i don't yeah that is weird <laughs> i don't get that I'm like why? um so that's some of the things that I think Celesta does yeah. really, really well. Um, once again, I want to make the comparison to Baldur's Gate because these are the two big 5th edition games, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It also has crafting. <laughs> yes. Um, let's talk about that really quick. Yep. So uh, crafting potions, I think, and, and items in general, I think they did a really nice job. Yep. Obviously, that's something that is not really addressed in the normal not only in the SRD, but in 5th edition in general is kind of... They, and Xanathar's, they expanded on it, though, didn't they? Expanded, but it still falls short compared to what was a default option in 3.5. Yeah. And I think Celeste <laughs> did it really, really well. They yeah. even have in-between potions. Like, what's the potion that's like a D8? Uh, I forget. But they have, instead of like uh, the traditional, which is 2D4 plus 2... Yep. Excuse me, it's just a D8. Yep. Which I thought was pretty cool. That's the third one up, yeah. Yep. Which is nice. Um, now that means your high end is the same, but your low end is much lower, yeah. uh, which is a risk. Um, what did you like about the crafting system? It does give you some additional options. And now, generally speaking, I always find crafting options to be hit and missing games in general. But yes, and it does. Final Fantasy ca- 14 nailed it, though. Yeah. And, and honestly, it does require you to micromanage what agrees you have gathered and so on and so forth mm-hmm. and keep track of all that. Which some, some people don't like that, it, which I get completely i'm i'll admit to a degree i'm kind of one of those people mm-hmm. like i feel like if you want to use a crafting system you have to go out your way to do it but it's not an instant process you have to say start crafting and then once the game hours go by they they finish 
Yeah. So, yeah, time matters. You know what you do? Yep. Step outside the town and then walk back. You're not, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I beat it a couple Good. times. Or a quick short rest 12 times. Yep, that, that works too. <laughs> uh, whatever you got to do. Um, so, uh, what did the Celeste do poorly? Now, as with any video game, there's going to be limitations from the tabletop. Yep. And sometimes there's just some occasional jank that just going to pop up. And unfortunately, we kind of mentioned some of it already. Yep. Um... So despite the amazing job tactical uh, yeah. uh, adventures did, there's a few things that I just I didn't I, I thought were failures. Maybe they're programming errors. Maybe they just don't know. Maybe it, this will be the first time I'm hearing about it. I don't know. But or, or or in some cases of like small devs, maybe they just didn't have the time. That's also true because it was a Kickstarter project, right? Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> dude, what the hell? Why isn't there no grapple? <laughs> <laughs> Like, you don't need to have my character up on time wrangling the person. Just give them a grapple condition. Anything. Um, <laughs> like, I was so surprised by that. You, to be fair, though, you do have shove. Most games don't even have that. Yes, but shove you mostly use when you can grapple them. <laughs> With the verticality, the shove is a huge one. Now, you guys haven't realized that yet. Grapple is like his, it's very his primary skill that he loves. Guess yeah. what it does? It makes your speed zero. You know what else it does? Keeps that guy from killing any of your party. Do you know what else it does? If the speed's zero, you're not going to prone. They can't get, they can't get, get up. up. And then you just stomp their face in. I love it. Until they break the grapple, but hey. <laughs> so, um, which, that actually reminds me. Something that I haven't, I, I mentioned the comparison between Baldur's Gate and Celesta. Last time I played Baldur's Gate, there was no, uh, uh, like, uh, ready to action. There's a ready to action in Celesta, so kudos to them for that, too. And it's, and there's been times where the results have been hilarious in some of my gameplay. Oh, the zombies are outside of my range. Run in the action! <laughs> and just wait for them to wander into your death blades. Thunk! Yeah. Um, it is worth mentioning, though, that if you're running action, especially with cantrips, that it will do it, pick a random cantrip unless you say, make this the default running cantrip. I didn't know I could do that. Yeah. Yeah, if you get yeah, when you click like a uh, ready actions, the side menu that's admittedly fairly it's there, but I can see how most people can miss it. Miss it. <laughs> All right, Brandon, there's another issue that the game has that's very noticeable. Do you want to tell us about it? Uh, tremor sense, blind sense, and true sight seem to be pretty worthless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now it could be just be your gameplay experience too, to be fair. But yes. and I don't have all the DLC or anything, so. Whereas, it be a bug in my game. Whereas I'm the jack wagon who bought the DLC but didn't actually <laughs> use it to refill. <laughs> Anyways, continue. With Brandon. true shot, true with true sight, sometimes enemies still spawn and you get ambushed anyway. That pisses me off. Yeah, Why do like I have true player. sight to know where everything's at if I'm still gonna get ambushed? Yeah. With tremor sense and blind sense, uh, they seem to act the same way as superior dark vision. Uh, so you should be able to see walking creature in a fog and darkness without any problems this is not the case yeah i feel like that might be a coding issue who knows it might be like when i can i'm a big fan of fog yeah i love blinding my enemies true sense or uh true sight i should see everything or maybe people get true, true sight wrong don't don't you dare <laughs> how's true sight supposed to work i don't have the rules for, for e that exactly oh i'm gonna stab you <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm just saying that we did touch on the fact that the game does probably implement rules that people forget about that yes. made me go, oh, 
This that is, is how that works. <laughs> I think. So, um, to I, me, that was kind of annoyance, but you're right. Maybe that's just <laughs> my game. Maybe it's bugged. Um, I don't know. But I should be able to fight in darkness with blind sense and with true sight and kick people's butts. Yeah. Personally, I think. All right. Okay. And yeah. One, there's one last one. And I think you mentioned uh, slightly on one of the things that irritated me about it. Yeah. Um, you want to tell us about it? Yeah. Some of the side quests here and there seem like they were added perhaps after the fact, like an afterthought. Now, that's just not a bad thing per se. It's just right. a possible observation. And I could – to be fair, I can see how they can focus on the main quest first well, and then start adding yeah. stuff. Yeah, and once but, again, yeah. a small dev team, you would expect that, right? Yeah. Um, but they're mm. not they're not tied cohesively, I think. But I guess that's how most DMV yeah. games are. <laughs> <laughs> and just to make it clear, we by no means think this is a bad game. Not at all. Shoot, we are actually devoting an entire episode to it to talk yes. about it. That should tell you something. Yeah, and I, <laughs> that, that's what I'm saying. Yes, I absolutely loved it. It, it really does a good job of scratching that dnd itch you get the character building part which is fun you yep. get to see different uh um yeah uh backgrounds and stories and and stuff beyond just the tabletop setting yep and we, we do think it is a a fairly solid 5e style experience i should have style of course for obvious reasons yes. because not everything's there and we mostly mentioned that just so people temper their expectations going into it yeah. <laughs> because i'm not gonna lie my re- re- reaction was Where's all this? This, 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 and this. Why can't I do this? Like, like how since variant humans not in the SRD? <laughs> yes, it's not. So it's not there because they can't use the IP because it's not been certified. Yeah, and therefore they can't choose the option to pick a feed at first level. <laughs> yep. Not damn it, Garwin. What? He explained true sight completely. You can't see through fog because it's a physical object. Hey, you shut your mouth. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's smart. It's like, yeah, good. That makes sense. What about blind sense? So the last thing I want to touch on, Brandon, as somebody who hasn't played this game yet, what do you think? How does it sound to you? It sounds a lot of fun. I've been looking for a good D&D game, video game to play. I tried doing an Everwinter uh, Dragon Hunter. No. No one's out? It's not. That's fun. It follows fourth edition rules. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it very much. Uh, Great. I'm going to play Never Went to Nights again. Never went to Nights is good. Which is basically 3.5. I tried that one. But <laughs> it's a hold, though. I, I want to give this a shot. I'll have to wait until I get paid, but... Yeah, well, you should. It's a good, good, good game, and it's got so many hours of play. Um, and like I said, it, it... You know what we didn't talk about? The introduction of characters. Yeah. Oh, my God. They nailed it. So your characters are meeting a guy in the beginning. Uh, in a tavern. In a tavern. And then they talk <laughs> of course. about how they got there. And so you go play that story out with that one character. Which also doubles with, as a tutorial. <laughs> yes. It was awesome. Kudos to that team. And you got the traditional tavern entrance. You got the individual backstories of each of the characters without it being a wall of text, which I loved. And you learned the game as you went. It was awesome. Oh, yeah. Well, the, uh, Oh yeah, well, on my way here, I got ambushed by wolves. Then you fight the wolf combat. Yes. How how big is the uh, the map? Depends. Depends on where you're at. Some of them are pretty large. Some of them are pretty tight. Does it have an actual storyline, or is this just kind of a there actually is an actual storyline? Story it's a D and D game. It still has a storyline. And there, you can't just choose to snipe and crawl up on yeah. something that's not programmed yeah. and start there. And there is <laughs> a, as we mentioned earlier too, a DLC campaign, mm-hmm. which well, it's a full campaign, and they give you more archetypes, more spell options to choose from. Yeah. Awesome. All right. I'm really excited to – I really want to go play this again. If I ever find time, I will do that. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Kudos to the Tactical Adventures team. I cannot wait to see what else you come up with. 
If you feel the need to sponsor an episode, just reach out. You can find us at CritAcademy at gmail.com. And we'll talk more about your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I can talk about this forever. All right. So uh, before we move on to our uh, our our uh, under tips, tips and tricks, and tricks. <laughs> I want to take a minute to promote our own product, our Memorable Monsters. It's good. Um, if you haven't picked up our Memorable Monsters, it is a collection of very – well-defined monsters and NPCs with fully fleshed out backstories, fun stat blocks, beautiful artwork, a variety of ways you can use the NPC or monster without it just being the villain, which is really, really fun. We have some of the best writers in the, 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 the the RPG community that helped write this. And on top of that, it is already a bestseller. Okay. And every single NPC in here can be a friend, enemy, quest giver, and so forth. Yes, we give you so many different ways to use them. And we do provide stat blocks for them for 5th edition, but that does not mean you can't use them in other RPGs. That's a really good point, because most of the text isn't a stat block. Nope. Every, I mean, there's a lot of uh, very system agnostic details. So if you yeah. could grab a, uh, the general idea of the monster and apply it to something in any other fantasy yep. setting. I mean, I think for... A few of these, we just did what we did when we do our master variants, took an mm-hmm. existing stat block and made the changes accordingly. So. Yep. Give them new, new functions and new abilities, keeping them within the level. So. Like the skeleton I built, for example, I'm like, okay, does it, I was told to make a CR2 creature, so, okay, what does a CR2 creature do, do that I want? All right, that'll work. Add this feature, get rid of that one, boom. And then write a bunch of awesome text to go with it. <laughs> yeah. I, she, I remember like, during the discussion, like, why doesn't your skeleton guy have undead resilience? Because skeletons don't have undead resilience. Zombies do. Yeah, I, I, I felt like she was such a schmuck when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I was like, I actually knew what I was doing. <laughs> um, if you'd like to support the show or you'd like to add a memorable moments to your stories and campaigns, consider picking up the book uh, at our website. Head That's over funny. to rebrand.ly slash memorable monsters. It helps improve the show and our wallets will thank you. Hey Crit Nation, Justin back with another savory morsel for your taste buds. Today we're going to be talking about Fantasy Feasting. It is both a cookbook and a 5th edition source book. Every delectable recipe inside of this tome combines a recipe designed and tested by a diverse team of home cooks and professional chefs with options for cooks of all skill and experience levels. And on top of that, each one has a crisp, professionally designed element that ties into your 5e game. Subclasses, items, spells, and creatures. Ooh, creatures. I wonder what a gelatinous cube tastes like. Anyway, inspired by the recipe, but also standing on their own, even if your campaign isn't food-themed. With 30 mouth-watering recipes and 30 inspiring 5e mechanics, Fantasy Feasting will help keep your bellies filled and your adventures energized for ages to come. Become a backer today and help bring this project to life at rebrand.ly slash fantasyfeasting. And now, what you've all been waiting for. Our Unearth Tips and Tricks segment, where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. Alright, welcome back. Today's monster variant... Um, is the Sunweaver. <laughs> Too much scrolling. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Up there we go. The Badlands <laughs> Sunweaver. <laughs> the origin is going to be the stat block of the Spy, but we're going to lose the hand crossbow and the multi-attack. And the creature type is going to become Undead. This is really important because we want our Badlands Sun Reaver, which Badlands is a reference to a lot of some of the monsters in Celestia who are in... The Badlands. Yeah. See, I tied that in. So first thing we're going to do is we're going to give our Badlands Sun uh, Sun Reaver, which very much we- looks like a ninja-wielding mummy. If you haven't seen the artwork... Ninja... For the- so it's holding up ninjas in both hands? A ninja wield mummy? <laughs> oh my god. That's exactly what I thought. Yes, <laughs> okay, no, a hand. ninja oh. blade wielding mummy. Uh, uh, and it's a lot of fun. It's been the theme for our uh, our adventures for our patrons. Uh, it come, we're going to give it the undead stat block that I was told skeletons don't have, which basically means it's going to have undead fortitude. Yep. So if it gets hit, it has a chance to drop to one hit point instead of dying, which is super great. Um, I've got a it's really. Super, it's a problem. It's when the last time he keeps making it safe over and over again, when the party keeps, keeps trying to kill it. <laughs> yes, um, that's hilarious, by the way. And I also have a fun reference. So cool, plus ten cool points <laughs> to somebody that gets where this comes from. The fe- the main feature we're gonna give it is the strength of raw. Ah, okay. Anyone? Yeah. Sun where? God. Captain Marvel. No. AKA Shazam. No. It's the Sun God. Yes, it's from an old cartoon called uh, uh, Mummies Alive. God. They come out of their tombs and they say with the strength of Ron, they're basically Power Rangers. They get like armor and stuff. Anyways, so (laughs) I'm such a dork. Yes, Uh, that was old, old school. Yeah, as a bonus action, the Sun uh, Weaver (laughs) can call upon the power of the God of Ra, bestowing upon it divine (laughs) speed, agility, and focus. This lasts for up to one minute, and it ends early if the creature's incapacitated. Dawn's armor or shield. (laughs) (laughs) Or ends whenever it wants to. Great, nothing about money, Max. Oh, Thomas got it, and so did Dulcinea. Yep. Oh, oh no, she just said it was Mummy Series. Uh, all right. Oh, yeah. Nothing about Mighty Max, which is also a. I I love Mighty Max! That show got pretty dark for a kid's show, but that's yeah. why I loved it. It was really good. Uh, what was the, I mean, when the, the villain's voice by Tim Curry is named Skullmaster and does outright threaten to outright kill the main character on multiple occasions, just like, yeah. yes, it's a kill. Oh, okay. So... <laughs> Uh, when he use, imbues himself with the strength of raw, he gains a bonus to their AC equal to the wisdom modifier. The speed increases by 15 feet. It gains advantage on dex uh, acrobatics, checks, and saving throws. And it gains a bonus to constitution saving throws. Uh-oh. To maintain concentration on uh, uh, spells equal to its wisdom bonus. I think Biker Mike's from Mars actually did get rebooted once or twice. <laughs> What's that? Biker Mike's from Mars. Did it really get boot- rebooted? <laughs> But we didn't. But we didn't care because we didn't watch kids shows because like, we're adults. Yeah, right. Sometimes. <laughs> so uh, on top of this, uh, this feature can only be used, can't be used again until it finishes a short or long rest. We're also going to change its spell casting. Yep. Um, we're gonna we're gonna give it spell casting, charisma, yeah. DC fourteen. We're gonna give it dancing lights, sacred flame, light. You can choose one or the other. I guess you don't need both. Flaming sphere, misty step, and sunlight. Are you sensing a a theme? Oh, now you're making me think of one of the shortcomings that Celeste had all over again. <laughs> Fire. Well, my wizard and my cleric, they both use, like, um, the, uh, the the summon weapon as well as the flaming sphere. Uh-huh. You can either move it, or you can tell it to attack something, and it'll move to the closest sp- space automatically. You can't do one, then the other. One, the other. Oh, which that's... actually ended up living crap out of me, because, like, no, I want it to move right here! Especially the flaming sphere, so I don't 
you know, light my own guys on fire. <laughs> you just walk right through them. But anyways, uh, the theme is obviously light. Ra is the sun god. Yeah. So he literally conjures a small sun. Yep. Uh, and then we're going to give it a reaction called Blinding Repost. The Sun Reaver makes a melee attack against a creature that missed it with a melee attack. I got that part right. Yeah. If the attack scores a critical hit, the weapon summons a burst of light, and the character, the, the target must also succeed a con save or be blinded until the end of the target's next turn. What do you guys think about my Strength of Raw uh, Sun uh, Weaver guy here? I'm. I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of now low-key disappointed it's not just a big guy holding a tiny ninja. <laughs> uh, honestly, I say one thing wrong, and it's like left over top of me for like uh, as As a fan of uh, Egyptian gods, I really like this character. Yep. It's so pretty. Uh, its abilities, the abilities to use sunlight to blind, using the power of the sun, it's so cool. Oh yeah. It's a lot of fun. Once again, it's thematic for the maps you've been writing for our patrons, so hopefully you guys enjoy it. All right. Brandon, would you like to tell us about our very short encounter? Our extremely short encounter is uh, the hunt for Hanesa. Hanesa, sure. Hanesa, yeah, submitted by Jackie L. Thank you for the submission. Yep. An elven lady named Indiris. Indiris? Indiris? Indiris. Indiris. Seeks a company of adventurers to hunt down and capture the remorseless killer Hanesa. Hanesa. It's like, that's so. Moreover, the party must complete the quest without killing anyone. <laughs> Ow. What? What do you guys think about this? Uh, Wait, you want us to bring them in alive? It's impossible. <laughs> That's not how D&D works at all. Um, I really like this because you don't see it that often, right? Yep. It's usually yep. take their head and, or bring them in alive, and nobody ever brings them in yeah. alive. Wait, why do you want us to bring them Wait, why do you want us to bring them in alive? So we can put them on trial and then execute them when we find them guilty. What's the difference at that point? <laughs> <laughs> we can just do it for Dude, you. This is a great encounter for if your players are a mur- bunch of murder hobos. So it's like uh, that's uh, what you can do today. <laughs> yeah. uh, now, now it made me flash back to an adventure, which I was kind of low key miffed at when we had to ch- chase down a enemy VIP, then fell up five feet from from a minecart, took fall damage, and died. I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> we almost got him. <laughs> well, oh, he, you, you just stumbled across the point I want to make because the goal isn't just to get the character. But it's to get them back. Oh, yeah. and that I think is and then where you got the a bunch adventure. of assassins trying yes! to get them. That's really cool. Yes, you're. So this person, you have to go and and escort them, or maybe they are bad, but they're you can't let them die because they're critical in some sort of other investigation, and they have information that's needed. But there's other people that have been hired, another group of adventurers that have been hired to take that person out, or maybe they have a, a, their own like, gang or trying to hunt you down in the process. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Let me make it clear. Were you happy yet? We were told to bring you back alive. Yeah, and we never said how many pieces you had to be in. Yeah, right? Smash <laughs> their hand. You're still alive. <laughs> Piss me off again and see what happens to your foot. <laughs> you can still manage to cut your arm off and cauterize the wound. <laughs> right. But there's going to be consequences for that, right? So <laughs> even if you bring them back alive with broken limbs, you're still going to have to do well. This person was critical and now may not talk because you beat the crap out of them. You know? We didn't do that. that. That's what the clerks were. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll heal you when we get there. <laughs> oh, man. Once you have regeneration, you can, the torture level just goes <laughs> up. Oh, Lord. You, you learn Why a lot about your players and their morale. The morales type of people and their game. morality, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, cut his toes off one by one. Why did you come up with that? <laughs> to make sure they listen. 
All right, that'll do it for our encounter. Thank you, uh, Jackie L, for submitting it. Our magic item of the podcast is the Arcane Shield Staff. Now, it is a staff, obviously, which is rare, and it requires to tune by a spellcaster. And it does fun things. First off, when you hold the staff, you gain a plus one to your AC. Woo, yeah! Um, that's something any character can appreciate. That's definitely something spellcasters <laughs> can appreciate. Don't kill me. And the staff also has ten charges. And when you hold it, you can expend one or more of its charges to cast the following spells. Mage Armor, as it fits the theme. Shield of Faith, also fits the theme. Shield! <laughs> and Fire Shield. Fire oh, shield. well, you know. <laughs> Another shield. <laughs> Justin, it's a strange theme. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Just, oh, you're going to love this. Yes, it has ten charges and regains 1d6 plus four charges daily at dawn. Now, if you expend the last charge, you roll a d20. And if you roll a 1, the staff explodes in a burst of light and ca casting globe of invulnerability and is destroyed. Oh my god! Is that I've never awesome? seen a magic item that grants a huge benefit but then gets destroyed. Because a lot of them, they get destroyed and that's it. Actually, actually in older editions, that's actually how it used to be the case. Does it look like we're talking about older editions? You gotta stop hanging out in the Discord chat. No. <laughs> no, I mean like... And like uh, for second edition, so if you destroy magic items, they exploded. Yeah. Well, this one explodes <laughs> and grants you a huge benefit. So it really – you run the risk. You know as the player when you identify this, you know that it does that. So when it's destroyed, you might – are you encouraged to do that? Are you encouraged to try to burst out all these – every fight and expend all its charges hoping you're going to get that one big one. I think global vulnerability is like a six level spell, right? Something like that. So it's a powerful spell. I didn't know fire shield was a thing. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I think usually warlocks have it, don't they? I mean, no one picks it, so. That, that, <laughs> the fact that fire shield has two separate uh, abilities. Well, yeah, it makes you resistant to cold damage, right? It makes you resistant to cold, or you can do a chill shield from it and makes you resistant to uh, mm. fire. All cool. right. So, what do you guys think about this uh, this magic item? I love the fact that it says that he has to be attuned by a magic user. Well, yeah, I don't want the barbarian running around <laughs> yeah. with mage armor or some other benefit, like you know, shield, because that's supposed to be their weakness. <laughs> You're supposed to be able to hit them. <laughs> oh, I like uh, it. All lot. right, that'll do it for our magic item, and you can find this on our in our show notes, and you can pick it up and toss it into your game <laughs> if you really enjoy it. Please do. Uh, Brandon, would you like to tell about our Dungeon Master Our uh, Dungeon tip. Master I love this tip one. of the podcast is Sun and Creatures as a Time Tracker. Staff becomes consumable. That's great. Yep. Yeah. In many role-playing games, we are constantly informed on the different tools used to set the scene using great narration. But for some reason, when the passage of time is covered, it's not given as much importance. That, yeah. Yeah. That, that's never talked about. Yeah, it's like, what all... time is it? It's like, I don't know. It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Now, How is it now? It's been an hour. Go now, on. we do warn you in advance, don't yell at random time, because that could create a domino effect of making things just not make any sense. <laughs> Which is probably why we ended up in my Saturday game going to a theater that had a midnight show. <laughs> That's okay. Those are the best kind of shows. Hey. The ones that are after hours. So what we mean by that wow, is that mostly it comes in words like, it's early morning, or midday, or yeah, even a very specific time. Yes. 
Yes. Uh, we can significantly improve our world building and narrative into the passage of time by using some easy but specific details for reference. In this case, we are talking about the sun and the creatures that inhabit the world. Yeah. Now, let's consider that using oh, it in this smart. way to describe the time of passing is extremely simple. That's one of the benefits and is more narrative than just relying on a clock. And as you said, that's not really – that doesn't set the scene. It's 2 o'clock. Well, what the hell does that mean? That that 2 o'clock in the morning is different depending on where you're at. Yeah. Even in Alaska where the sun never sets, it's still broad daylight. It's not going to tell you nothing, right? Your world may be, may be uh, similar. So instead of describing the clock, use uh, describing the sun as overhead casting uh, almost no shadow gives a good sense of time, right? And it makes it clear that the sun is straight up above them, basically. I really like that. When you say, oh, your shadow is 20 feet long, it's like, yeah, that means it's all it's sunset. Setting, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Or rising. Ooh. Thomas Kelly says their DM changes enemies based on the time of day. Oh, that is great. Going through the forest is much more dangerous at night where all the big stompy, stompy uh, nocturnal creatures start roaming. I like that. Um, so – uh, and I think I touched. On, I think we touch on that here too. So, so this not only does it give a good sense of time, but it can impact on the characters and the potential story. Uh, you know, so uh, a better example would be the characters attempting information gathering by eavesdropping on a conversation between two nobles, noting that the sun casts almost no shadow, as described above. So we might ask for a perception check or a similar check. After the check, you reveal that they overheard a brief details of some such, and um, they had been listening for so long now that the sun has dropped beneath the tree line and a long shadow is cast uh, that stretches several feet. Um, so without any other indicators, the players know that they've been eavesdropping for an extended period of time, right? Without having to say, it's been about five hours. You've really set the scene and you've enhanced it even more than that. Um, so to me... Uh, that's a much better uh, descriptor. And the reason I brought this up is because this is something I'm trying to work towards because I do that. I do that. Oh, it's afternoon. It's evening. You know, that's not good enough. <laughs> so um, now not only does this deliver us a great tool for the pacing of the game, um, but it also gives us good details about the the way the players or another way that the players themselves can interact with the world mm -hmm. um and you can expand on this further by including creatures as we already sprimming established at specific times and no i left it the fact that you spelled it wrong hey what listen example? here with roasters all right <laughs> you can do this with a rooster <laughs> which got cockadoodles at early hours of the morning cockadoodle Cock-a-doodle burn! <laughs> Ooh, our roaster is a barbecued booster. I'll take it. <laughs> hey, uh. I'm a great writer, but I'm a terrible speller and gram grammar. That's why we got editors. Yeah. For our actual release products, yes. yes. Uh, and this like, means like you're dealing with, with bats at night, or wolves. Now I'm thinking about the time where, where one party mocked me for constantly sleeping in trees during a long rest. Until I got ambushed by wolves. So I'm like, who's laughing now, suckers? <laughs> <laughs> so that's a really good example because... Bullshit. I was sleeping on the ground. I still got janked by something in the trees. <laughs> I got eaten by a iguana or something. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> no, I was just sitting there and his, uh, his tongue uh, went... <laughs> I was like... <laughs> that was from uh, one of Jeff Stevens' books. It was... Uh, 
we we, had, we talked about it on the show. I can't remember his name. Mr. Tongue or something like that. It's basically a giant tongue monster. But anyways, yeah. what do you guys think about this? Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Good uh, tip. I like this idea because I'm always doing the whole, oh, it's just afternoon. Like I was saying, oh, what time is it? It's like, I don't know. It's 3 o'clock. Trying to, trying to figure out the daytime. Yeah, I do that, and I'm not super well, I think he's the sun. Uh, it's like, oh, what time of day is it? It was like, well, you hear a lot of birds go, uh, chirping right now. When, when do birds chirp the most? Morning. In the morning. That, that makes sense. I like that. And so the, the better thing about this is you can use it to introduce mundane, unique creatures to your world. You know, if you've got a specially named bird that is only in this region, you can narrate that as... Oh, instead of the roosters crowing in the morning. Oh, the I need a quickly. I need a made up bird name. Cockrus. That's not a made up name. <laughs> He's that's what I'm saying. A cockrice. That's not a made up name. I want a made up name. Never mind. A shakalaka. A shakalaka is <laughs> whistling in the the air oh, uh, as it does every morning or something. I don't know. All, all names this, are made what's up. What's a shakalaka sound like? <laughs> you piss me off sometimes. <laughs> Come on. He said, what? Come on, DM. What's a shakalaka sound like? (laughs) (laughs) Shakalaka! All right. Uh, uh, Killaba. A killaba. I like that. Nice one, Delcinia. Ooh, this is really good. Uh, Delcinia says another hour indicator indicator is bakeries start their shifts really early. So morning hours might have the smell of bread in the air. That's what I'm talking about. That right there. That is the world building that you get from not relying on a time of day. The smell of booze in the air might, uh, the smell of alcohol and mm -hmm. meat like that usually happens at nighttime. Maybe it's a special, maybe you can, the small sweet smell of bourbon toe ale is wafting down the, the thoroughfare. That's something that only comes out when the place is really busy, right? Oh, you can even use this stuff to indicate like times of year. Oh yes. Like when it, when it's starting to shift to fall, it's like oh, you're starting to smell the uh, that. I, I don't know how to describe the smell of turning leaves. It's you such, could just say the smell it's of such the a turning smell. autumn leaves is. The fresh air in is the air. filled with autumn leaves and pumpkin spice, and there's white <laughs> girls everywhere. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for our Dungeon Master tip. <laughs> our player tip of the podcast is don't be a dick. And you can avoid dickitude by listening to Brandon talk about shocking containment. Yeah. <laughs> shocking containment. You guys are going to love and hate this. The yeah. net weapon is hands down considered <laughs> terrible. Quotes. Weapon. It's weapon is in quotes. Situational. <laughs> the net is a special thrown weapon with no damage. And ridiculously short range. Five. Really? That's yes. it? Five, five feet, feet or Up to five feet or, or 15 at disadvantage. That's, that's pretty bad. <laughs> uh, though it does apply restrained conditions. Mm-hmm. The restrained condition, which is really good. But the low AC and HP lack of damage and low strength check needed to break it makes it extremely unappealing most of the time. If it's so unappealing, then how come the barbarian couldn't get out of it like three times in a row? That was just bad. Yeah. Yeah, tell, him, Garthus, <laughs> tell that to the barbarian. Because the place will suck. That's it was why. so funny. <laughs> I got into a disagreement with somebody on Facebook about how worthless it was. I was like, dude, go watch this match. You will rethink what you think of Nets forever. But anyway, sometimes the roll's just not in your favor. You want to yeah. expand? Anytime I try to cast uh, Sacred Flame in Celesta. <laughs> I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> you, 
But I blame Wizards for that one. <laughs> Poor design? Yeah. Anyway, uh, what if we use on a creature that doesn't do slashing damage? Well, then that removes one concern. One of the weaknesses. Yep. By picking up the sharpshooter feet, <laughs> we, we can uh, make our normal range 15 feet dealing with the second issue. Yes! There isn't much we can do about the low AC, though the fact that the net imposes disadvantage on attacks by the target does help negate this somewhat, which is what, what, one of the things that screwed the Barbarian over. Yes, because he didn't have a, uh, uh, he didn't have a, uh, slashing weapon either. No, 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 he, I think he did, he, but because you have disadvantage when you attack, he, he got him yeah, because he tried to break free and failed, and then tried to cut it and failed. Yep. That was just brilliant. Yep. And then there is the, the damage problem. Well, that's where the lightning arrow spell oh, comes in. you guys in. are going to love this. Did you know lightning arrow, really? that the lightning arrow doesn't have to be an arrow? Nope. The spell doesn't require you to use an arrow. It says, this is, what is this, like a fourth level, third level spell? I don't remember. Third a level. I think it's third level. Lightning yeah. arrow? It says, the next time you make a ranged weapon attack during the spell's duration, the weapon's ammunition or the weapon itself, if it, it is, is a thrown thrown. weapon, Holy shit. is, transforms into a bolt of lightning. Loud thunder strike, right? Boom! Not only does the lightning arrow turn the net into uh, into a solid four d eight lightning damage, but it also restrains the target. Yeah. But there's more. Much more. Um, and each creature within ten feet must also <laughs> succeed on a dex. T DC uh, uh, dexterity saving throw or take an additional 2d8 lightning damage. Since the net restrains the target, now they have disadvantage on that save that they have to make themselves. <laughs> then the net now turns back into a regular net and they are restrained. Now the target is restrained with a movement of zero. Attack rolls have against it have advantage. It has disadvantage on attack rolls and on dexterity saves. This is an absolutely brutal combo, you guys, with one of the weakest quote-unquote weapons in the game. And if you really want to get creative and really go F that guy, you can also, <laughs> you can also drop the grease spell to drop them prone. Oh, my goodness. And should your neck get destroyed... The mini cantrip can fix it. Oh, what the yes. fuck? Mend that baby back up. And there's a feat to make sure you can get that, right? Yeah. Um, so Du Bois just says, I'm a new DM. Do I have any tips? Yes. Once you're done watching this episode, watch the one we recorded last week and the previous week. Because every week we give new Dungeon Master tips, player tips, and overall guidance and inspiration to our listeners. So please check it out. One thing I will give you one bonus DM tip. When you're running Dungeons & Dragons for the first time, spend less time in the rulebook yeah. and more time playing the game. Keep it simple. Yes, and just learn as you go, because I promise if you spend time scrolling through that book, everyone's going to be bored out of their mind. And random generation tables can help speed yes, up the process. Yeah, every, everything you need is here. So, anyways, what do you guys think about this combo? A lightning net? You made a taser. Oh, I did. I made a, that's better than a taser. You made a net taser. A net taser. <laughs> Would you guys use this? Yeah. Yeah. Guys. Use it on your players and watch them cry. <laughs> you know what's funny is the uh, Dungeons and Diapers part that we're, we're having. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to use a lot of your shit on you. Good. <laughs> I told you earlier. That I'm means a terrible you pay attention to listen. Player. <laughs> I'm a good role player. I'm a terrible play combat player. Uh, that'll do it for our uh, player tip of the podcast. 
Don't be a dick. And you can avoid dickitude by being a dick. By being a dick. <laughs> Remember, this player tip applies both to DMs as it does to players. Yep. So just keep that in mind. But I'll tell you what, they'll rethink how lightning arrow works once you use it against them. Uh, All right. Sand. If you enjoy the show and you'd like to support us, please visit us at CritAcademy.com. Follow us on social media. Leave us a review. All that jazz. I do want to take a, a, a quick moment to let you guys know uh, we have a, a we're, we're planning a Kickstarter, and I'm looking for some feedback on weapon perks uh, or exotic weapons I've been designing. And people and I, have opinions. And <laughs> people have opinions. So please go over <laughs> to our social media and, and share your thoughts. Um, also, make sure to sign up for our newsletter and get free Dungeons & Dragons loot. Uh, just for signing up, receive a free copy of our bestseller, Fantastic Feeds. Receive a free resource guide that includes not only our favorite finds, but some custom resources we've created as well. And you will also be entered to win prizes on the show. Isn't that awesome? It's always awesome. Getting free shit's always awesome. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to fill up their dragon's horde, right? Yep. All right. Do you guys have anything else? <laughs> not today. All um, right. Well, I do have uh, to say... Before we go, did you, did you ever see that uh, thing I tagged you in on Facebook? No. No, someone had asked, hey, is there a katana in D&D? And I was like, there's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's called a longsword. <laughs> that's, like, that's exactly that's what, what I got that's for the so everyone, many responses. Everyone keeps saying, so I was like, it's a longsword. Long no. If it's the you, same thing, then why does everyone complain about it? I only added it because I was tired of seeing people complain about it. It's the only reason. Because there's always, no matter what you do, there's always people who will complain. Yeah. But anyways, exotic weapon perks. We're going to have exotic weapons and armor feet, perks and everything. And I'm always looking for feedback. Yeah. So just keep an eye out and even go comment on the ones I've already posted. Yep. All right. That'll do it. I'm your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. I'm your co-host, Brandon. Thanks for listening. Keep, Keep your blade sharp and spells prepared, prepared heroes. heroes.